Hey, Clementine. Hey, Lee. You didn't accidentally break a flashlight, did you? No. Did Duck say I did? No. Did uh, Duck break the flashlight? I don't think so. He's just always blaming me for stuff. Like what? Putting a bug on his pillow. Did you do that? Yes. Have you found anything else? Just the chalk. I also found some bugs underneath the stairs. Don't tell Clementine. Okay, I won't. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Stroke Session. I'm Leslie the Third, and I'm Jonathan Daniel Brown. And Jack is away. Uh, I'm sure if you've been following his Twitter, you know that he has, you know, gone to um, Russia, and then you know he's traveling through parts of Eastern Europe to hunt down the Syndicate. Uh, the Syndicate is a group of individuals who are trying to take down Jack. Um, they're not taking down our show, thankfully. But, you know, Jack A.M., you know, he he he, gets, he goes, you know, off the plantation on right. Jack A.M. He, he's, he's let loose, you know. He sings, he does voices, and he crosses lines that, you know, the powers that be that run the syndicate don't like. Yeah, and, you know, I've, told him, I've told him to be very weary of any umbrellas and <laughs> anything with sharp, pointy objects. Yes. Uh, anything he, with a sharp, pointy end. Anybody walking with a cane, um, do not talk to them, do not help them. Like, he needs to be careful out there because he's out in the wild lands of Europe. And I don't know. I don't know if, if, if you know, Kate's singing can protect him. And she's probably just going to the theater and watching A Star is Born 15 or 16 times during the vacation. So. Well, it's out now. Yeah, Jack's out there alone, folks. So you know, if you if you if you have any contacts, any former you know KGB agents that can be, <laughs> uh, help our boy out um, while he's on that hunt. Uh, we he wanted us to help him, but we decided, you know what? They're not coming after us, right? I mean, yeah, we'll stay comfortable. Uh, so the two of us will take over for the next couple of weeks or so, and maybe maybe a little bit longer, depending yeah. on you know, how it goes. You know. Yeah, yeah, if he ends up in, you know, a uh, in like a, a Parisian prison or something, it might be a very long time. But we'll hang in there, um, and uh, he should be back in the next few weeks. Uh, years, possibly, but, you know, <laughs> it's fine. But today we are joined by our special guest, uh, Mitch Bowman, a uh, freelance writer who's written for lots of places that you've heard of, uh, video games specifically, um, the Polygon, um, PC Gamer, etc., etc. Gama Sutra, Motherboard, all that good shit. It's, but all the good articles are from Mitch. Wherever you go, this, <laughs> right. I, 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 I don't want to, you know, put Mitch in a hot spot. But you know, some of those websites they got a few writers, not so great. Mitch's stuff is always fire. Thank you so much <laughs> for coming on. Thanks for having me. And you're in, and you're in IWW. You're in the Industrial Workers of the World. I am, yeah. Very cool. Are, are you based out of Seattle or Vancouver? Vancouver, wonderful. Yep, yeah. I joined the IWW like a year and a bit ago, and it's been real cool so far. That's fantastic. And you know, I, you know, especially there's a there's a deep deep need for writers online to begin unionizing in order to push back against you know really the state of the state of corporate media today. Like you know. I, 
the writers online, if 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 we don't, if, if freelancers don't unionize, if if writers for these publications just don't unionize, it's going to be listicles forever. Like, <laughs> yep. It's it's only going to be you know, you know, eight eight signs that you live in a studio apartment or something like that. <laughs> like there is. There's no growth unless there's pushback from workers in this field. Right, yeah. And it's, I mean, it's particularly bad in games journalism, too, right? Because it's such a... It's, there's so much of it is, like, enthusiast media, right? So, like, a lot of it's not really journalism. Like, a lot of it's just telling you what they read in a press release or giving a hot take or whatever. Yeah, access. Right? Like, yeah, yeah. It's very access-based. And, like, you know, there's just not a lot of appetite from outlets either for for stuff that's like more investigative or more sort of in depth like there's just not a lot of long form games writing mm-hmm. well, at least not on you know like the places that people actually read a lot sure and and speaking of which you have a great piece that uh that was the reason the main one of the main reasons we invited you on is you wrote a fantastic piece for Gama Sutra about Telltale yeah so uh I'm sure everybody's heard the news by now. Everybody was talking about Telltale Games, uh, the successful, what we thought was very successful adventure (laughs) point studio suddenly shut down like entirely um, in the past couple of weeks. Um, Initially, they were going to keep a skeleton crew on to fulfill some contractual obligations. And that we just heard is no longer the case. They're just straight up done. Um, It's very, it was it got a lot of talk because it was very shocking because everybody just kind of assumed that Telltale was doing very, very well um, as financially goes because they kept putting out games that had, you know, these big licenses, Batman, The Walking Dead, that were critically acclaimed for the most part on um, Game of Thrones. And it se- and also it seemed like, you know, the games were kind of an easy lift because there wasn't like a lot, like they hadn't updated the engine since like the first game. It was kind of the same. A lot of the games were a little bit buggy, a um, little bit old fashioned. They had um, graphics that weren't like cutting edge or anything. So it didn't, <laughs> so people didn't assume like there was like a team of like hundreds of people, you know, put, uh, being paid, you know, tons of money to put out these games. It seemed kind of like, all right, they had found like a really profitable niche where you didn't have to keep up with the graphics of like a God of War, but you could still make a game that was successful and profitable. But apparently all of that was um, not true. And they were just hemorrhaging money um, uh, so much that even like Netflix couldn't save them. And, and like all their, you know, IP partners kind of just, I guess... The idea was that I thought that, you know, the IP partners would, like, want to funnel money into them because the games were very good for their IP. Certainly, they did a lot for The Walking Dead. Apparently, the opposite was true and that they were just basically siphoning off all the money that the games were making. Yeah, that's um, wild. The the idea that almost all of the profits went directly into paying off these in, insane licensing fees. Yeah, like it, I I I can't I couldn't imagine like if you're you know Robert Kirkman like you don't want that Walking Game you want the money more than you want the Walking Dead game that um, blows me away and I I, can, I definitely can see it with DC but then that brings in the question like so if they weren't making money even off Walking Dead why would they want to you know partner up with DC and Batman when there were already like a ton of good Batman games coming out right then apparently the Batman game did not sell well um at all and that was part of the problem um that they were having it's just 
it's just it blew a lot of people's minds that this studio that you know from the outside looking in seemed like it was doing everything right to make money in video games now uh but they were not um and it seemed to come as a shock to a lot of the workers too who suddenly found themselves out of a job some workers who had just been hired in the past few weeks even um yeah that shit was the craziest part of it to me like above the sort of normal level of just like corporations being dicks to the people who work for them that was like sort of like a impressive level of just shittiness like they managed to hire people they were still hiring people the the nearest one i saw was four days before that closure they were hiring people from out of town who were moving their lives and their families to san francisco like the most expensive city in the fucking world basically to get to take this job at this studio that they thought was like this great icon of of modern gaming and they get there and the place fucking closes like immediately and no one bothered telling them or you know not hiring them or or anything they were still hiring these people like they must have known right like it's not like anyone in the executive of that company was was surprised by this like they must have been at least sort of aware of the financials right like and they were still just hiring these people and moving their lives across the country days before they closed like that's so fucked up yeah it's fucked up especially knowing that there would be no severance no opportunity to relocate no referrals yeah. uh thanks for moving here you're fucked you're on your own yeah uh, yeah like it, it it's just it because the failure of their company is just so like unimaginable like uh, there were a few articles that came out maybe last year about some internal squabbles they were having like for example like the the lead uh i think the ceo he didn't want to change work on the engine and it was starting to you know piss off some of the developers and there was a splinter there but like yeah after walking dead season one came out and in the middle of developing season two, the writing team jumped ship and the designers left because they were not happy with how they were being treated by management. And uh, they went off and they started uh, Campo Santos, which made Firewatch. Yeah. They made a really good fucking game. I don't and, know, have, uh, you, have you played Firewatch? You yeah, it's, it's fun. Yeah, it's and, super uh, good. And, and it very much is in like the style of you know the interactive movie with light puzzles that uh, that Telltale popularized, just with mm-hmm. a, you know a different perspective. Telltale was addicted to that engine, <laughs> and and it wasn't that good. No, it always had problems. There was tons of slowdown on the PS3 versions. I remember playing The Walking Dead, and I was like, "All right, they're going to re-release it for PS4. It's going to be awesome." And it's like there's still slowdown. Like there's still <laughs> like FPS drops in those games. Like none of the games were technically good, but the writing was so like just amazing um, for the most part. I I think uh, I am a bigger fan of the later Walking Dead games than other people are. I think they were consistently good. The first season, everyone agrees, is just fantastic. But the way the what they did with those games it was really unique. They made like adventure games really like accessible that sounds like a weird thing to say but most people when they're playing video games they want something that's you know constant action not Mm -hmm. as much not just talking but those games really brought like adventure games to like mainstream you know uh popularity yes uh with the with the quality of the writing and the storytelling and the characters they had Uh, i mean what telltale did was they they took they took a genre that really hasn't been alive and they revitalized it and they made it cinematic and they and they and and they 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 downplayed a lot of the esoteric puzzles like you know none of these games are like missed you're never going to scratch your brain for 45 minutes trying to figure out what to click but 
by streamlining the puzzles, adding a lot of cinematic elements, and focusing on the story, Telltale created this this formula which seems really hard to fuck up, and they somehow they did because they I guess they got greedy. <laughs> I, 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 I don't want to speculate too much, uh, but like it almost seemed like it's, it's less greed and more like, all right, they got that taste with The Walking Dead. They did, uh, you know, and that was successful. And then they kept making Walking Dead and it didn't make as much money. So then they tried out this new IP and this, that IP, et cetera, et cetera. With every time they have to pay, you know, these licensing fees licensing fees right for these ip and instead of like creating their own thing right that they could own themselves and keep all the money from they just stuck with all these pre-established properties and i guess that was kind of part kind of part of their doom like i look at something like life is strange right uh which is just a telltale game but it's an original uh property that the company created it owns and they've made you know life is strange too and they also made uh vampire um probably from the profits of life is strange right don't nod yeah yeah i didn't think that game was like successful at all but apparently when you're not paying giving all the money back uh to image comics um you can make a little bit of money on these point and click games well and not paying 300 people san francisco wages yes right like that was the other problem with telltale is that they scaled up like enormously like the walking dead season one was made by like less than 100 people probably less than 50 people and then by by now they were like right i mean they were 275 when they were closed but that was after a round of layoffs like they already laid off like a bunch of people in like earlier this year like in the spring so like that studio was well over 300 people at one point and like you know they're they're in yeah again the most expensive city in the world paying like basically competing with silicon valley for programmers yeah like and and so this closure came like in the middle of them releasing the final season of the walking dead which i was about to buy (laughs) yeah that's the other shock and people well a lot of people have already paid twenty dollars to get the full season apparently they're only going to get uh two episodes i have no idea i'm sure it's probably going to be like a class action uh, lawsuit because all these people have bought it from all these different video game stores there's no one they no one can click a button and give them half their money back basically so there's probably going to be a, a class action uh, it, at some point it's it's a damn shame because it really did feel like this year that they were creatively sort of getting back into their groove they were working on wolf among us 2 which you know uh, took a lot of time to put together because the fables property is so niche uh, and they, uh, the Walking Dead, the final season looked like, you know, a big step up from the last one. And the, the Batman, the Batman series was getting better. And uh, I mean, like, they, you know, they, but they, I guess Game of Thrones was a flop. And I guess uh, you'd think that Minecraft story mode would have kept them afloat from all these kids. But maybe, maybe the, I don't know if that's a fad that's slowing maybe, down. Maybe, maybe they've kids, all moved to Fortnite. Like, <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe kids uh, don't play Minecraft for the story. <laughs> Imagine that. It's almost yeah. like that's not what the game is about at all. Yeah. Uh, so it is. It's really just you know shocking. Like wh- like so. What happens now? Like we thought they were going to maybe continue story mode with Netflix, but apparently that's dead. But Netflix no. says they're going to uh, complete it anyway. I guess. Like I I don't know. It's just there's so like what really you know boggles my mind is that you know we have you know hundreds of video game journalists and this came out of nowhere apparently 
why did why weren't there articles like you know if a, another type if a sim if another company in another industry was like this close to immediate collapse there would be leaks there would be releases early there would be hints of it like they would be forced to announce the closure probably by an article of this sort but with the video game industry like this came as a shock this was announced on what twitter basically mm. <laughs> like no one like no one in no video game journalists uh were reporting on this before it happened which it strikes me as strange there were no there were like uh, like i said there were articles about how you know mismanagement um a year or so ago but like they didn't hint at like a complete collapse that actually happened yeah i mean i think it took most of the people who worked there by surprise too so it's like i i don't even know who would have leaked it if there if that was going to happen like i think only a tiny number of people at the top of that company actually had any idea about it and 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 so when those type of stories happen under industries it's like usually if like there's massive embezzlement from the executive branch or something (laughs) like that like like fairness yeah it's, it's like a like if it's a complete fraud then yeah, yeah. it's happened suddenly but apparently they just like don't know what the fuck they were doing and no one else under uh, in their staff knew what was happening so i i i, I guess i'm just trying to get at it. it's like are all video game companies basically ran like this like a complete black box where like two people know what the finances are and everyone <laughs> else just you know goes happy along like everything's okay yeah i don't know it, it, it's funny it kind of reminds me of what happened with uh you remember when toys r us closed and it, and it came out that they were actually still profitable but they had just like mismanaged themselves into the ground and just like basically paid their executives way too much and like, yeah and, and by the way they're now pulling out of bankruptcy now that they right. fired everybody yeah yeah now they're coming back it sort of reminds me of that where like the studio had a model that seemed to be fairly successful like they were obviously moving units and they you know like if if you can't make money off of having the rights to like game of thrones and minecraft you're clearly <laughs> fucking something up right like yeah, yeah where does that money go I yeah so yeah i don't know i mean maybe it just went into the pockets of the executive or yeah maybe it went to the people they were getting the licenses from or maybe it went to rent on their san francisco offices or but here's the thing mitch you should you should have all these answers you're a top flight video game journalist (laughs) and like no and and that's another thing that's striking to me like we're like two weeks after and still no one really knows what happened what's going on we have a few articles about you know you know from uh using sources in the company just saying like some of the general issues and problems they were having but like nobody like has like the numbers yeah to this and we probably never will We probably never will yeah like i don't think they're gonna be unless there's like uh, some sort of the only thing that might happen i guess is that uh there's that there's that class action suit from all the employees right like they they're basically i guess there's some law in california that if you if there's mass layoffs quote unquote which is definitionally anyone over 50 then you have to give them 60 days notice and obviously they did not do that in this case and like so you know there's a fairly strong class action suit coming against them and if that happens then uh, they may try and argue that they don't have the ability to pay those people for 60 days which means that they might have to sort of dish the finances there but uh who knows right like who knows if the case will even get that far they might yeah. try and find a way to settle or whatever i mean if they were smart they would settle and get everyone their severance because i'm sure that if you looked into telltale's books it would get very very ugly yeah 
because the, the, you know that kind of mismanagement doesn't it doesn't happen overnight it doesn't happen where you know you wake up one day and you go oh shit like we have to fire everybody whoopsie like that's not an accident that's right yeah they knew for sure yeah like that's like some bernie madoff shit basically yeah 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 it would be very interesting if there was any sort of like discovery for that class action suit and we ended up seeing like it would just be funny too to see like how much money they're giving to hbo or whatever yeah, it would be really interesting. And so you've talked to some of the workers, right, Mitch? Just on Twitter, but yeah, I mean, I've seen a lot of the, the stories about people and ch- chatted with people here and there. I mean, and, and it looks like it's not necessarily that what's happening is, is unique, that there are lots of layoffs happening around now because the holidays are coming up and that's when everyone gets fired in the games yeah. industry. Yeah, that is a thing for sure. And we have kind of taken that, you know, for granted. Telltale kind of stood out because nobody really expected um, this, you know, successful studio in the middle of, like, their, like, you know, the culmination of their, you know, uh, original success story, The Walking Dead, to just collapse entirely. But, like, there, it, you mentioned in the article, there is, like, a lot of layoffs going on. And that's kind of, you know, an ongoing trend where, you know, just... Uh, EA, you know, shuts down the small studio. Ubisoft lays off 150 people. And it just, like, every you know, year there's several stories like this. And we kind of take it in stride where actually thinking about what those numbers mean what all those you know laid off people mean now in most cases i think those people get severance unlike in um, (laughs) in telltale's case but still like what is going on with the video game industry because we know it's incredibly profitable they make they bring in billions and billions of dollars every year and still they're just laying off people uh left and right in you know massive and vast swaths you know for reasons that you know aren't always clear yeah i mean and that's been happening for years and years and I, I, it feels like it's getting worse but i don't know if it actually is or if we're just more noticing it more now but yeah i mean it's been endemic to the industry for as long as i've been paying attention to it that that's just that shit just happens or people just tons of people just get laid off all at once because the project is over or whatever and like it's it's wild because like the combination of that with the fact that like you you have this job there's no job security but also while you're at that job you're expected to be working like 70 hour weeks half the time like uh, yeah it's nuts like i don't know why people put up with it yeah I, I, i question you know what the end game is because now we're seeing the beginning of game workers unite starting to make a a real public presence and and do do you see this being a potential tide shifting moment i hope so yeah i mean that's uh, that was sort of the premise of the article was that uh, i think it i hope it is like (laughs) if i'm being optimistic i think it is and like you know obviously it could just all go south but like it feels like people care more this time and it feels like it's sort of coming on the back of some other things like uh even just stuff like that, uh, you guys saw that stuff about Riot, mm-hmm. Riot Games, the people who make League, oh. apparently that place is just like fucking awful to work oh, for, yeah, it's just really like sexist and- rampantly sexist, and just like, yeah, just, you know, has like a very weird, bro-y culture internally, like, even just stuff like that, like, I think at some point, people have to get sick of it, right? Like, how, how long are you just gonna do these, like, you know, ridiculous crunch periods, and then have the company not even tell you that they're going under until the day it happens right like right telltale workers were working that weekend 
I mean, they yeah, were working. Yeah. They were working at overtime for free because they wanted to hit their deadline. Oh God! Like, it's, yep. and it's so awful. And but when when we're just we were we were just describing it like how oh, you you do a project and then you're out of a job. I was thinking, you know, I guess that's kind of like working Hollywood, working mm-hmm. in movies because when the movies end. But the thing is, they all have unions. Like in <laughs> yes. between, there's no there's no video, uh, unions for uh, video game developers. Yeah, no no health care plan, no pension plan, no retirement packages, no four hundred one k. What the fuck is going on here? How are all of the like I, you know? I was talking to. Uh, Stephen Bell, who is the, you know, the, he was a writer and his brother was a lead developer on Journey and uh, What Remains of Edith Finch, a really good dude. He's a listener to the show as well. And he was explaining to me that, uh, you know, basically uh, uh, even people who are, who, who are getting, you know, bigger titles on these games are getting less and less and less. Like, uh, you know, Sean Vanneman, who was the writer of season one of The Walking Dead, 10 years ago, that guy would have been profiled as like you know an up-and-coming rock star in the in the triple-a gaming industry instead telltale pushed them out very easily yeah. they, they didn't they didn't care and so you know what happens when you know there's a mass brain drain when talented people go i don't want to do this right. i don't want to put up with this shit and they already do all the time like the video games like your game development has like an insanely low sort of uh term i guess like it has a very high uh drop-off rate like people stick around for like i think it's three to six years on average and then they just leave to do something else like a most of them if they're programmers or whatever can just go make way more money making just like boring software and then you know if you do anything else like there's other stuff out there that is probably related to the skills you can get for you can get in game development and you can get treated better doing that thing in literally any other industry so of course there, people just leave right there's something to be said about the abusive nature of passion industries that yeah. if if someone is passionate enough about the work they do if they really care about games or they really care about art or music or film or tv whatever it is then that somehow justifies the fact that you get treated like dog shit it's very strange yeah yeah the the studio that animates rick and morty is here in vancouver so i I know people who have worked there and stuff and they're exactly like that where they treat people like shit because they make rick and morty so they get all these kids coming out of school and you know they just graduated from ai or whatever like exorbitantly expensive private college they're going to and then they want to get a job and oh like the rick and morty people are hiring i love that show and so they put up with getting paid like shit and treated like shit because they want to work on this thing that they like yeah you i'm sure that happened all over the place at telltale and you know most game studios it's uh it's it's you know it's interesting vancouver has become a a hotbed for animation outsourcing and where, where la wants to pay people less they, they take it to vancouver but yeah. what makes what makes no sense about because sausage party had a big you know scandal where all these animators weren't getting paid right and some of them weren't even getting credited uh right yeah but vancouver is just as expensive as la so it doesn't make sense more so i think yeah i think vancouver right now is the third least affordable city in the world yeah so Hollywood and and the games industry is outsourcing their animation to Canada, and I, I guess because they don't have to pay healthcare, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the workers are getting treated better. They're getting treated shitty. Yeah, they're still getting treated 
generally as shitty other than the fact that Canada has like at least some labor protections that America does not enjoy. Like we obviously have to get severance when we get laid off and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, I assume they're doing it partly because our dollar sucks and partly like Vancouver is an expensive city, but it's not like most expensive cities where the wages sort of come up to meet that. Like, that's why it's always on those, like, top unaffordability lists, right, is that the gap between average salaries and average cost of living is way bigger than it is in most places. So even though everything is ridiculously expensive here, you don't really make any more money, so they they can pay people pretty badly. Yeah, and, um, you, you know, it, it, it's... Uh, God, Vancouver... Uh, how long have you lived in Vancouver? Are you from there? I am, yeah, my whole life. It's a cool city. It's nice, yeah. I mean, it's beautiful. It's not the most interesting place culturally, I don't think. But yeah, well, you know, but it, it's 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 uh, it's interesting though, because when I went there, I, I was pretty. But, but I don't know. I feel that way about Los Angeles, and maybe it's a grass is greener thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it could be. Uh, all right, so we've talked about all the depressing news and uh, gamedom lately. Well, at least a part part of it. Um, but now we can maybe switch to the fun part. Maybe talk about some of the games uh, we've been playing. You know, hopefully uh, the, the the games that you've been playing haven't been Telltale games because we'll <laughs> just uh, regress back to the depression. So, uh, Mix, Mitch, what have you been into? Um, mostly Rocket League, to be honest. Playing a playing a lot of Rocket League. Uh, Rocket League still uh, going, uh, still popping. Like I got it for PS Plus when it came out like three years ago. Oh yeah, uh, and I played a, a little bit, but I didn't get too into it. Like I'm not a big online gamer, but I do know that the league folks are very like intense about it. Like you have to be, you know, pretty good. Like I got owned most of the time because I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, yeah, it's definitely still going. They keep updating it. They keep adding cool stuff, and it's got like much higher concurrency numbers than it did when I started playing. So they're doing something, right? JDB, what have you been playing? Let's see. I have been I've been playing a few games. So, you know, I'm still uh, going through Divinity Original Sin 2. I'm 60 hours in, and I finally beat the first act. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus it's Christ. An, this is absurdly large, this game. Uh, I finally got off Fort Joy, which is the prison island that you spend the first part, uh, the first third of the game on. So I, I basically am just pretending like I started a new game at this point because so much <laughs> has happened. Uh, I'm playing Spider-Man on the PlayStation 4, and it is really good. Uh, yeah. It's You know, Insomniac Games made it. The Sony first-party games are starting to bleed together a little bit is my only major criticism. Like, Naughty Dog and Insomniac don't feel particularly different from Sony Santa Monica at this point. Mm. They all just kind of feel like one mega studio. And, they, they you know, they obviously they share departments. Like, you know, the, the Spider-Man game has the swinging of the Spider-Man 2 that everyone loves, but it's upgraded. But, you know, the animation and the cutscenes are done very much in similar to that God of War style. It's the Sony house style. And it's right, a beautiful yeah. it's a beautiful game. The writing is better than I'd say any Spider-Man movie. Any. Like <laughs> yeah, that's a all of them. Yeah. I <laughs> but I'm a Raimi stan, you know. So oh, yeah, right. I know, I know, I know. Uh, I'm a Maguire guy. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> but the, this Spider-Man is, it's really well written. It's Yuri Lowenthal does the voice. Um, there's a little Uncanny Valley stuff. 
but it, it takes place like you know it, they did the Arkham Asylum thing where it takes place like you know like six or seven years into Spider-Man's career and he's like in his early 20s and what I realized the game also gets right more than anything else is the working class roots that have been really missing like Spider-Man is about to get kicked out of his apartment he's constantly late to work he's uh, you know, Mary Jane dumps him before the game starts because he's too busy, uh, you, you know, working all night and doing Spider-Man all day. And, and uh, it, it, it's uh, that 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 Parker luck is really fun. And then Miles Morales is in it, and you know, you can play as him in a few segments, and you can play as Mary Jane in a couple of these segments, and it it just all clicks together. It's it's a blast. I'm a fan. Hmm. I I heard that um, you know. Uh, from the listeners that in the game Spider-Man is a cop-ass bitch. Uh, is that true? Yes. So <laughs> there has been some online controversy that uh, Spider-Man works with the police. <laughs> and I saw that. He works Wasn't with it the... Wasn't like Kotaku? Yeah, there was like some Kotaku stuff, some Polygon stuff. I, I gotta tell you, to be fair, uh, you beat up corrupt cops in the first mission when you arrest Wilson <laughs> Fisk. So the game is self-aware a little bit. Uh, also, another really fun bit is is that J. Jonah Jameson quits uh, quits the bugle and starts an InfoWars-style podcast called Just the Facts. So you're just constantly <laughs> getting yelled at uh, on your phone in the game, which is a lot of fun. And there's also like a social feed so like constantly there's these like twitter updates of people trolling spider-man or making comments or that's cool yeah it really does uh that's really cool but you did kind of gloss over the part that spider-man is a cop spider-man is oh (laughs) yes sorry as as i tend to get distracted spider-man is a cop he works with yuki uh watanabe she's like a he's got a you know a police friend and you know she's asian and they intentionally made the cop an asian woman to make it feel less you know icky that he's working with cops uh but for and and then of course there are like you know weird missions where like you are like beating up drug dealers and you're like why am i doing that still like it's very 1982 uh it's that said um you know i i do get this sense that there there is like an anti-authoritarian streak in the game like uh norman osborne is the mayor and you know he's so of course you know you have a bad mayor and you've got uh, a lot of you know corrupt characters so it's it's not uh, you know yes is spider-man working with the police is he a cop ass narc 100 percent. but but that's consistent <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I'm gonna clip that and um, send that to all our listeners to prove that once again dc is better than marvel because of course in the arkham games batman um, beats up a lot more cops. Um, he doesn't work with them. They work. Uh, I mean, he, he works with Gordon. He, yeah, he, he works with Gordon. Gordon. But Commissioner Gordon is a good cop. Okay, he's the Whatever. one good boy. <laughs> he's the one good one. They didn't have to turn him into a POC, you know, because he's that you know noble inherently. He can still be a white man. And and uh, I forget who pointed this out, but I was make, I was talking about you know Batman versus Spider Man. When it comes to police, it's like yeah, maybe you know Batman is. A fascist but he's a higher pop fascist power than even the cops the cops just stay <laughs> out of his way he does not work with them they do what they just stay out of his way or they do his bidding or they will get it too uh, and they know that so i really 
just want to say again that the politics of the DC universe are much better than the politics of the Marvel universe. And there's only one, you know, true great uh, major <laughs> comic book uh, universe uh, for leftists. I, it's a funny criticism, though, right, to say that, oh, Spider-Man works with the cops. Because, like, what superhero is there out there who deals with, like, sort of street-level crime? Who doesn't cooperate with the cops? Like I must have missed that comic series. Yeah, it will be really yeah. It the is Punisher. Funny. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, that is, that is the answer. <laughs> which, is, an answer. which is even worse. Yeah, like <laughs> as much as I would love to see a comic where you know uh, there's a superhero goes out and builds Does up some sort of like yeah restorative justice restorative and justice. builds like a community policing system in his neighborhood. Like uh, that comic doesn't exist. So if you're gonna level that criticism <laughs> against Spider-Man, it's like well everyone else does that. Like like how many comics have you? scene where there's scenes where the uh the the superhero ties the bad guys up to a pole or something and leaves them there for the cops to find i mean that's like in the spider-man game literally <laughs> you can do that you can tie up bad guys to poles <laughs> yeah right and you, you every other superhero does it too like that's just how that stuff is dealt with in comic books i've never seen an example of the good version of that so, so like it's a weird it's a weird criticism to level at spider-man specifically and, and you know what to, to be fair i question whether you know, as a kid, uh, my perception of the police was altered by that. The idea that, like, mm, sure, yeah. the cop, sure, the cops shoot at Spider-Man because they're dumb, but they're not bad. Like that, <laughs> right. and, and so I, you know, because the cops will shoot at him because he has to run away. Although in the game, they don't shoot at him because he's been Spider-Man for eight years or whatever. But mm. the, the the idea is he talks about how he's been shot at by cops so many times in the game. But it, that incompetence is not ever looked at as malicious like he's like right. he, he talks about getting shot at by cops like it's like a funny thing yeah okay. I, I think leslie's right uh, in that sense about batman being maybe quote-unquote better because like the cops are sort of more like overtly shitty and corrupt in batman i think yeah what i was about to say is like maybe the maybe there is an interesting disconnect here because you know of course spider-man is set in new york with the nypd while right <laughs> you know batman is set in gotham city fake with fake cops fake cops so yeah. they can so dc can talk as much shit as they want about the gcpd like they don't have to pretend like cops are they're any good cops and and certainly in like year one for batman year one for example like there were none like james gordon was the only non-corrupt cop in the entire force so like the uh, so batman has a little bit more freedom to play with this that a spider-man and certainly a spider-man video game like can't they can't paint the entire nypd as just being you know pieces of shit unfortunately. <laughs> right and that's and that's one of the you know the strange I mean, look, you know, it's obviously, it's no secret that superhero comics uh, embrace authoritarianism at times. <laughs> it's yep. by no means, it's by no means a secret that uh, that having a savior complex can lead to embracing fascist thought. But I do feel like this game uh, is definitely, like, it, it, it has an understanding about, about power. And it has an understanding about... Uh, and, and there's a there's a blue collar, like, the, and and you see it with both Peter and with Miles Morales. There's just this sense. Although God, I don't know what they were thinking naming Miles Morales's dad Jefferson Davis. Were they on? Were they high? What? Like, yeah, that's just bizarre. <laughs> yeah, like he's a like uh, like the the idea that his dad is a cop named Jefferson Davis. Like, Jeez. what are you crazy? Like. <laughs> Oh man! Um, but you know it is interesting because this uh, with 
you know, in 2000, I guess if this game came out in, say, 2015, like, no one would notice. There'd be zero controversy. There'd oh, be yeah, zero controversy. 100%. But, like, I think it's kind of a good thing that even, like, normies are, like, picking up, like, you know, Spider-Man being a, uh, as uh, the concourse uh, put it, uh, turn into a damn cop and it sucks. Like, I think that's kind of a good thing <laughs> oh, to have in yeah. the air. Right. And I, I, I do wonder, like, you know, if they, when they do Spider-Man 2, if they're gonna, you know, change some of that stuff. I, I, like, I doubt they'll do the thing where you help the NYPD spy on the entire city by, um, uh, sur- by creating a surveillance network. That probably won't be uh, in the next game. Yeah, that's, they, they just send Spider-Man it, it, out to deploy a weird... the stingers. Yes. So how it works is that the NYPD hires Oscorp because he's the mayor, which, I mean, so, so to be fair, there is an acknowledgement of a little bit of corruption. They hire Oscorp to build all these surveillance systems, but, uh, like, um, they, they get shut down, and so Spider-Man has to turn them on in exchange for hacking them and getting all the crime. It's basically the Assassin's Creed tower system, where, you know, each part of the map has its own little hub, that, and when you climb to the top, you press a button, solve a quick puzzle, and then, boom, you can see everything on the map. Mm-hmm. So it's just a way to unlock the map, but it is weird that you're, like, turning on surveillance towers. Oh, wow, I was joking. I didn't realize that was an no, actual No, that's what you're game. doing. Yeah, I'm not joking. Wow. <laughs> It's funny, Mafia 3 has the exact same mechanic, but it's just like you're doing it for uh, like the Black Panthers so they can surveil <laughs> all the uh, racist uh, criminals in the area. Like it's the exact same, you know, mechanic, but just differently. So maybe Spider-Man will do it, but then it'll be like he'll be turning on surveillance for like, you know, Black Cat or what, whoever his friends are. Yeah, it was, it was a bizarre, bizarre choice. <laughs> So, um, I've been playing the other um, big Sony first party game from this year, God of War. Dad and of War? God, yes, yeah. Dad of War, and holy shit. So, I'm a big God of War fan, but I was very vocally skeptical um, about this game just because it was basically a complete reboot. It completely changed like everything about the previous games. The previous games were, you know, kind of uh, what is now old school, you know, three, three, um, 3D room fighters where you just go in a room, kill all the enemies, and then move to the next Collect room. some orbs. Yeah, collect some orbs and move to the next room. You know, like the Devil May Cry, um, Ninja Gaiden, that sort of style of gameplay. And then they shifted it to like a third person, like shooter perspective, changing the combat entirely, entirely. I've never seen combat like this, but I have to report back that it fucking kicks ass like it's so good the combat like they really deserve kudos for creating a new combat system that's really really good like there i haven't played any game with a combat system like this people try to compare it to dark souls but it's nothing there's nothing like dark souls except for the perspective all kind of but yeah um it's a really good great game but uh with the combat but also like the story and the storytelling i thought was really some like next level shit i've never finished a game and wanted to play the sequel so badly um as i wanted to play this game um i'm I'm sure most people know about the gimmick where there are no cuts in the game so you follow kratos perspective 
um, from the day he wakes up that morning, like straight on, like there's no cuts, there's no uh, shifting to different perspective. You don't see um, what the what the bad guys are talking about unless they're like right next to you, like uh, you unless you're creeping around them and you and you hear them talking. Like it's all hyper focused on um, Kratos's uh, journey with his uh, son Atreus and it's just like really really wonderful storytelling the interactions you have with your son where you know they don't really get along at the beginning of this journey but by the end you know they've you know had some conflict but have come together there's just there's lots of you know interesting characters then the world is just beautiful beautiful the what what they oh, do stunning what they do with like Norse mythology and stuff, nothing has made not, it's like an, uh, this game is like enough to redeem Norse mythology after like 15 years of nothing but white supremacists being <laughs> like now I want to be like a Norseling uh, worshiper. Like, you want to uh, get some runes tattooed on your chest? Yes, they, I am such a sucker for dad stories, I am a sucker for the God of War franchise, and uh, you know, I'm a sucker for. For 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 this this new Sony style, which is, it's effective. I mean, it, the it, while uh, it is kind of a drag that it doesn't feel totally unique in that in that like you know the Last of Us kind of popularized it. It doesn't really matter because it's just so well done. I mean, the writing in this game is fantastic. The characters are just watching Atreus change over the course of the game is really a pleasure. Watching him grow up and get comfortable in his skin, discover himself, and then just Kratos' fear that he could become like him. It's, Red Dead Redemption did a similar thing, and I just, ugh, it always gets me. You know, I, 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 I didn't really warm up to Atreus that much. I am not liking him by the end. I'm not sure if that's, you know, not necessarily, you know... That may be deliberate on the part of the writers. I think I I, I always think I never I don't think Kratos did anything wrong. By the way, in the first three games, the game <laughs> this game starts out with the premise that what Kratos did back in the old days was all bad. I'm like, uh, no, I, I understand where. Kill a bunch of gods. Yeah, like I understand yeah, where he's fine. coming from. Yeah, like it, it seems fine. It seemed like most of them deserved it. So, yeah. but this game, like, it is kind of a reboot because it kind of recontextualizes and says, you know what what the Krails did was wrong and he is really you know a monster which of course you could argue from playing the first games but you know I like Krails so I'm a little bit more sensitive to that but the game starts with the premise that you know Krails has you know left all that behind and tried to live as a man of course that doesn't last long because then the other the gods of the Norse gods kind of figure out who this dude is yeah that he's there and they come after him and it's just a really you know gripping story it it has like adventure is how I would term it because you're always it feels like you know a really great like adventure like journey like a star wars or conan the barbarian or you know something where you're just going all over the place you're traveling through the different realms you're seeing all these different sites to get to this one simple goal goal which is you know to spread the ashes of your uh dead wife at the highest point in all the realms and it, you, that's all you're doing throughout the game um but you, it takes you on all these journeys and you get out fight all these monsters and all this cool stuff and it's just the way that they you know take norse mythology and just flesh make it feel like real and fleshed out and just amazing it just it's just it was just such a joy to play through and i really want 
more of this style of God of War. Yeah, I mean, I you know, part of me misses the old style, and then it's like, well, we, we have Bayonetta, you know? We have Devil May Cry. We, we can still play that type of action game. Yeah, I'm not uh, sure God of War was ever the one of those games that was the most sort of, like, mechanics-intensive anyways. Like, I, I always remember playing yes. those games more for, like, they had some cool platformy puzzle stuff, but as far as, like, you know, like... Wacky, like wacky combos and like real execution intensive stuff like i always thought that sort of got, like ninja gaiden was the yeah the top tier of that shit and then there was a few other like yeah devil may cry and those games like that was never really what i wanted out of god of war right god of war 3 was probably my favorite of the series and that was even slightly toned down which is really absurd to even think about the idea that the third one was toned down considering that you like ripped out people's eyeballs and like <laughs> smacked uh you know you know uh Hera's head into like a statue until it was a puddle of mush but I mean in the first God of War Kratos would just like grab random slave women and like just crush their bodies on levers to solve a puzzle like no that's in God of War 3 too you do that in God of War 3 too yeah, I guess, yeah. But by the end of God of War 3, there's like there, there's the whole plot with uh, Pandora and Hope, and that's sort of the re- the beginning of, of the redemption arc. But yeah, I mean, uh, I do miss T.C. Carson as Kratos. I thought he was great. Yeah, I don't... Christopher understand. Judge kills it, though. Yeah, he's great. Christopher Judge is great. I don't know why they switched from T.C. Carson. To Probably like mocap a- is my guess. Uh, possibly, yeah. T.C. Carson, he is getting up there in age uh, maybe maybe he didn't want to do all that mocap stuff but you know the n- new guy like uh, great bring yeah as long as they keep hiring like marginal black actors like i'm with deep voices i'm fine with under you underused black actors too <laughs> at that you know because both those guys could have been should have been in a lot more stuff but at least they got to you know live out their dreams and you know of being you know a leading man in uh the god of war series there's so many people that don't even know that kratos is black it's very funny because he's you know because of the ashes they're yeah. just like they they just never even put it together well so that does bring in the question like is Kratos does kratos actually i don't think he has black skin underneath i don't i don't yeah think i don't so. think that's a foregone conclusion I yeah think, i uh, think he has white skin because he is a spartan so I don't know. I think he's supposed to be white, a white guy, well, but he's also supposed like, to be like kind of Mediterranean, right? Yeah, yeah. But literally, but he has literally white skin because of the ashes. But he is he has been voice acted by black people. So you know, you gotta get a black guy to play him if they ever make a movie. It, <laughs> it wouldn't work. No white guy's got that voice. I'm sorry. Uh, no, just, it's you just can't get that deep. <laughs> it's too bad they missed their shot. They should have got um, Michael Clark Duncan. Oh yeah, mm. he would have been too bad. <laughs> Let's he's, see. He's so huge. He just would have been they're, cool looking. As, they'll probably as get the rock. They'll probably get the rock, even though his voice isn't really super deep. Yeah, he's, he's, he's doing he's Black Kratos. Adam. He's uh That's like the closest thing I guess he could be to Kratos is is his Black Adam take. That might be interesting. You know, it is weird that the Rock doesn't have like a superhero yet. Like, what? What is he waiting? Are the studios waiting? Like, what's going on? What, what superhero would he be? I think any of them, possibly. They could put the, he could be Superman. They, nobody would care. They'd be like, "All right, <laughs> Superman. Superman is black and Samoan now. It was, it's fine. He looks like Superman." You know, I think it's interesting because my 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 guess is that The Rock doesn't really actually want to play a major superhero because mm-hmm. then then you are then trapped. 
you then get you, you're not the rock anymore you're you know you're super like Henry Cavill is going to be in a in a rough pl- I mean he'll be fine don't worry like these people are rich as fuck but <laughs> like the you know when you get typecast uh, I, I, I it, it does be, it does hurt you when you're done JB, I know what you're saying, but I think that applied before the Marvel things. I think it's a different trap now. Right. Now the trap is the literal trap where you, when you play this character, you have to be in the next five movies. Yeah, you, you got to be in, you, it's like a 10-year contract. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not, the, I don't think Henry Cavill's going to have, have an issue, you know, being typecast because he's already in other stuff. But if they had continued, like, he would just have to keep playing Superman for, forever. Like, yeah. For, forever. Like, he wouldn't have a choice about it. So I think that's more the trap. And that's probably what The Rock uh, does not want because he can do. That's a really good point. Yeah. You know, he can just be in a, mo- a movie, uh, like a cheap movie, but get paid like $30 million just to be in it. And that's it. That's most of the budget. He can, mm. he can do whatever the fuck he wants. He can be in that TV show that he likes. He's actually pretty good in that TV show too. Um, what's Ballers. Ballers. Yeah. He's, he plays like a fuck up, like a useless, like fuck up in the show. And it's really funny to see the rock, you know, like not be cool and not have it together. And, and in fairness, he sort of does already have his iconic superhero role. It's just Hobbs from the fast and the furious. <laughs> I know. Right. Uh, and which they, uh, which you know, I I do want to say Hobbs, you know, you fucking suck. You're di- you're you're siding with the guy who killed Han. That's uh, really messed up. Wait, really? Well, yeah, J- uh, Jason Statham and Hobbs are doing, uh, and The Rock are doing the spinoff it's, it's movie. A disrespect. Oh. Dis- you know, actually, the the so I had a friend who worked for Vin Diesel's company, and. Vin Diesel and The Rock, it, like, the beef is real. They hate each other. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, The Rock shot a bunch of test footage with Statham on the set of Fast 8 for this uh, for this uh, spinoff that they're putting together, and Vin Diesel had the footage destroyed. <laughs> 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 like, because Vin Diesel has been in, you know, has ran the Fast and the Furious, or he's been the star of the Fast and the Furious franchise, you know, since the beginning, and then, you know, Fast, it was Fast 5 or Fast 6 comes along, and all of a sudden, The Rock is there. He's feeling upstaged. And, like, these two just do not get along. Hmm. Like, they're both very, uh, you know, type A, ego-driven action stars. So it's just it was just inevitable that they would not be a good fit. So the spinoff will actually probably be healthier for Vin Diesel if he wants to make a Fast and Furious movie without The Rock. But uh, it is interesting to see, like, that dynamic. They yeah, hate I'm, each other. I'm t- I'm Team Vin, okay? Cause Me too. Yeah, the, the, Tyrese was calling out Hobbs too because they had offered you know spinoff movies before, and the group of you know Fast and Furious people always said, no, no, you're not going to do a spinoff. You're not going to split us up, and you know because that's just a way for you the studio to make more money and you know split them up, and you know then they can treat them as disposable. But of course, The Rock, you know, he goes for it. Right, and the and the big theme of the series, I mean, look, I mean... The it's I, family. Right, yeah, it's family, right? So they're supposed to be like a unit, yeah. Yeah, so if you split that unit, I mean, it is just so funny how, like, you've basically gone from, like, a Point Break ripoff to, like, straight up, like, James Bond action team movies. But it, it's... Uh, what else could you do after eight of them? <laughs> it's, it's, so, it's so funny because when you watch, go back and watch the first one, which I think is still pretty good. Like the climax is them like trying to steal an eighteen wheeler. Like that's <laughs> it. The stakes are yeah, pretty low. Yeah, that's the opening yeah. scene and probably the fifth or sixth one. <laughs> yeah. 
All right. Um, what, what, what do you got going on, Mitch? Any any pieces you got coming out that you want to talk about? Any work that you want to promote? Um, nothing coming out super soon. I mean, I'm going to be doing that. Gamaster just sort of wants me to be covering this stuff for them for oh, the beautiful. foreseeable future. So I'm yeah, the gaming, uh, the gaming labor uh, issue. So yeah, yeah, sort of the, the the intersection of like labor stuff and games industry stuff. So I'm going to be on the hunt for for stories like that. So I don't know. I guess if anyone who's listening to this is dealing with any games related labor struggle, you can tip them. Up. Yeah. yeah, please contact Mitch if you have any issues. Like, don't be the next telltale. Let Mitch help you out and <laughs> the truth out. Yeah, sure. I'm more than happy to do it. Um, I did write a piece about uh, housing policy because uh, obviously I live in a city that has like an enormous housing crisis mm-hmm. going on right now. It was supposed to be on Jacobin, but Jacobin takes one million years to answer their submissions. So I don't know what's happening with it right now. So hopefully it'll end up somewhere, but I don't know where or when at this point. Great. Well, keep us in the loop. I can't wait to read it. Um, where can, uh, what's your at? Uh, M. Bowman. So M-B-O-W-M-A-N. All right. M. Bowman. All right. Thank you so much for joining us, Mitch. Everyone, please remember uh, to subscribe, like, fave, heart, um, <laughs> prime, um, pump. Um, and Did you remember page- Clout? Yeah, Remember, Clout, give us... Give yeah, us, give, yeah, raise our Clout score. Yeah, and of course, patreon.com slash struggle session. If you want to subscribe and get all the bonus episodes, we've got a lot of great stuff coming up. We're going to have another episode with Shannon Strucci where we're going to talk about Hereditary and The Shining. You do not want to miss that episode. You know, if you listen to, to her episodes before, you know Shannon is fucking brilliant and, no, and is very passionate about horror movies. So um, you can look forward to that. Um, thank you so much for listening. Have a good one. Take it easy. Bye. I listen to you all night, I know you're scared I can't feel your pain, but please know I'm there You say there's a bigot in the White House, it ain't a new thing Another corrupted criminal elected by fame Sexual assault, a racist, white supremacist provoker I feel like I'm an Arkham and the president's a joker But Obama wasn't no saint either He had a kill list and every drone bomb dug the coffin deeper NSA got my rhyme book, these books are crooks They probably know all the rappers and my flows they took Please know I stand with my Muslim brother and sisters and my homie from Afghanistan, please know I'm with ya. This is for my friend who's undocumented. I taught me raise hell if they ever came and I meant it. Black lives matter, yeah, they matter to me. I ain't rapping for myself, this is solidarity. Every time I mention Trump, girl, you turn around and cry. I ask myself why, oh, why I see understand we can't live with all these lies what went wrong in november check it like what you hear want to hear more check us out at patreon.com slash struggle session or sesh.plus or struggle session.substack.com for all our public episodes commercial free as well as hundreds of bonus episodes thank you to all our listeners for holding us down five years strong